Here's to you, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance. Now, it's starting to feel a little haunted in the hallways of MGM as we continue our Halloween mini-season, which we'll be releasing in addition to our regularly scheduled programming. I'm your host, Warren Minix, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, our station commander of U.S. Outpost 31, Mr. Chris Hampton. How we doing, bud? What's up? How's it going? <laughs> always ready to go. Has anyone seen Baguette? Oh, yeah. Is Baguette okay? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and of course... Wait, stop the oh, podcast. No, why? no. We have to check on Baguette right yeah. now. If there's one thing <laughs> I've learned. Hashtag find Baguette. Baguette. Just hear... I want to hear the chains. <laughs> Uh-oh. I see him. You see the Twizzlers coming out? No, he's right here. And of course... <laughs> Twizzlers. Yeah. <laughs> There's always the person you want to have as your friend when you're on an Antarctic outpost, the helicopter pilot. Our McCready herself, Miss Tori Cortez. How are we doing? Fuck. You, d- you don't have it's anything, the do you? Worst, it's the first week of winter. God damn it. <laughs> She's got quotes, everybody. I'm liking it. Sometimes I'm on top of this shit. Thank uh, you for making me the McCready of the intro, by the way. I feel so flattered. Yeah, of course. You're definitely our McCready. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't consider myself the McCready. Now, we're not I alone. Like to differ, but... Oh, thank you. Well, that was sweet of you. <laughs> so we're not alone on this journey tonight. We have a special guest from Binge Media, Mr. Jack Falvey. How are we doing tonight, Mr. Jack? Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Cool, man. Uh, so, yeah, so if I were to say anything, I would say uh, Jack would be our Blair. He'd be our, our senior biologist if I had to make a, a judgment <laughs> oh, no. call on him. I want to come inside. I'm all better now. Yeah. Yes. It's not bad. That's a pretty good impression. Oh, yeah. Jack, um, out of curiosity, where are you geographically? Uh, I am in uh, Rhode Island. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Warren, I guess you that would make you the closest. So you know, just yeah. keep your eyes out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm going to have to. Hmm. So, of course, we are going to talk tonight about the movie John Carpenter's the thing. So before we get started, though, uh, Chris, is there anything you want to get just swept under the rug before we move on to some of our content? Yeah, listen, I got a bone to pick. Oh, boy. Uh, no. Uh, it's the angriest Chris has ever been on. on That's all I'm going to say. Wear a mask. Yeah, no shit. Dude. Yeah. It'll probably still be relevant when this comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Wear a mask. Maybe just maybe we can stop the spread of the thing. <laughs> not bad hey this is relevant Tori do we have our random patron shout out for our oh, episode alright let's you do it. it let's get your and sophisticated since, system out well since it's spooky month I, th- I figured I'd switch it up a little bit okay. mostly because I was getting tired of the same old intro so bear with me for a second still picking your name out right now i feel the the winds of antarctica sweeping (laughs) it's gonna be minus 100 if we don't get this going well wouldn't you know it it's mr killer seymour hey wow killer seymour oh boy do you know him i'm i i'm a i'm close friends with mr seymour yes what is that called? Nepotism. I call nepotism. Hey, even you it was did it. I didn't pick him. I didn't pick him. But hey, I got to say, I'm going <laughs> to give him props. Uh, when we did our Discord stream for Oxenfree, 
Uh, we ran five hours straight and it wouldn't have been possible without him basically handling the technical. So I had Giga on the sticks, handling the voice. I was doing commentary slash getting beers for everyone, being the guy that already played the game to help if we got stuck on a puzzle or something. And Seymour made sure that everything was running properly so that when I sent it over, it was nice and crisp with proper video and audio quality because I have no idea how to do that stuff yet. Yet. So, right Jack. On. Thanks, Seymour. Yeah, Seymour, also, you're the best, dude. Oh, God. Also, two seconds before we move on from that, just want to say that uh, Killer Seymour has been with us since August. And, uh, and yeah, he's been um, lighting up our Discord channel. Oh, yeah. so. Super active. Thanks yeah, you might want to tone it down there a bit, Killer Seymour. <laughs> there we go. Hey, that, that was out of Chris's mouth, not mine. Don't Come. run in the hallways, kids. <laughs> now, Jack, before we yeah. get started, and I, I'll have a little thing before we get going here, but you are from Binge Media, and that's how I know you. Um, mm -hmm. We are good friends based on our meeting through Binge Media. You personally host uh, two podcasts, at least from my knowledge over the years of listening, that I would say are consistent. Uh, the mm -hmm. two I would like to hear a little bit about for at least what listeners that are listening to this would know what to expect. You have Movie Homework, mm -hmm. and then you also have Wake and Bake with Bob Ross. Sure. So feel free to take a couple couple minutes, uh, let the listeners know what they would be in you know in store for if they were to chime into either of those podcasts. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll start with Movie Homework first. So Movie Homework, um, it's basically this show... You know, we have another show on the network called The Aftertaste, and what The Aftertaste is, is it's sort of a breakdown of franchises. So Nightmare on Elm Street, Star Wars, whatever it is, and, um, you know, they kind of go movie by movie and they guide you through. And I really liked the format of that. So what I decided to do was take that idea and apply it to something other than a franchise. So, Oh, I love some, that. Yeah, so like we'll do a series on, say, a director, um, you know, an actor, a uh, certain genre, maybe films in the Criterion Collection, whatever that may be. And we sort of take a detailed breakdown of that individual movie. We pull clips, all that kind of stuff. Um, so myself, Alex Ancira, who's one of the co-founders of the site, and Chad C., we, we run that show. Um, and we do a lot with that. Um, and then our other show that I'm really proud of that's been going for a long time is called Wake and Bake with Bob Ross. And the idea is uh, myself and my co-host Kupka, uh, we both wake, he bakes, I have an Irish coffee, and we uh, do a commentary of two episodes of Bob Ross's The Joy of Painting. And typically it's sort of a potpourri show. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, you know, sometimes if it's around Christmas time, we'll trade our Christmas ornament stories and, uh, you know, several other, um, topics that we kind of bounce around. Um, and sometimes it's video games. Uh, sometimes it's just hobbyist stuff. Sometimes it's movie poster art and, uh, just generally whatever Cupkin and I happen to have going on in our lives at that time, uh, usually pairs pretty well for that show. So, uh, so yeah, both of those. So Tori, I just want to, I see a little highlight there. Thanks, man. Hop uh, on just, in. Yeah, go ahead. Just before we uh, got too much further into it, I, I did want to make note real quick. Uh, one of my good buddies, Morgan, has really gotten me into watching The X-Files, which, as some of you may know, has been around since the 90s. But oh yeah, <laughs> if you aren't aware yet, it's a tremendous show. It's ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's entertaining. And it has an episode that very very closely mimics the plot of the movie we're about to discuss. The episode is in season one. It's episode eight, and it's called Ice. 
So if after listening to this episode, you decide you'd like to go check that out, if you haven't already, I would highly recommend it. Fantastic. And Does of course, that mean this movie takes place in the X-Files universe? I wouldn't doubt it. Maybe we can talk about that towards the end. I'm ready for that. And then, of course, my usual shout out that you guys are starting to get tired of hearing is we obviously do a listener episode at the end of every Metal Gear Solid season. But we're also going to include the spooky season. So if you wanted to talk about Oxenfree, if you want to talk about uh, the, this movie we're talking about tonight, The Thing, as well as anything from Metal Gear or Metal Gear Solid 3, have your responses in through contact at MetalGearMondays.com. Please add a subject line and throw that in by Halloween night at midnight. So October 31st, that way that gives us enough time to rifle through everything and give you guys a proper show when we plan to release that. Without any more ado, I wanna talk about John Carpenter's, and I'm gonna say it, I don't give a shit what anybody feels, a fucking certified classic, 1982, John Carpenter's The Thing. I'm just gonna start way up on the fucking highest mountain. I can think I can safely say this is my favorite horror movie ever made. Straight up. Whoa. Fight me is how I feel sometimes when people say Damn. So, I don't want to fight you. No. So so just to, you know, no expectations or anything, guys. But I just want to get that out. <laughs> I feel a lot better because most of the time I catch myself when it comes to horror movies, I'll have, uh, a, you know, a haunting. Or I, you know, the thing's my favorite body horror movie, right? So if they say, well, what about The Exorcist? I say, well, that's, that's not a body horror movie. That's a, you know, that's a possession harm, you know, that kind of movie. So Exorcist is way up on that list too. A creature feature maybe, you know, so I, I try to have that, but I think when the dust settles and, you know, little teenage Warren who lost his fucking mind when he saw this movie goes and picks up a box, it would be John Carpenter's The Thing. Damn. So, we'll so yeah. Well, <laughs> I hate to sidetrack this, but now I'm like curious, what's everyone else's favorite horror movies? Ooh. Okay, so you look like you're ready to answer. Oh, you're no, going to get back I'm, to us? I was just saying, I might have to come back to you on that one because um, now that it is officially spooky month, uh, there's just so many of those happening right now. So I All don't right. think I can give you an answer to that until maybe um, maybe the listener episode. Even. Yeah, maybe we'll make it a PC or something for the, for the Discord if they're interested. Do you have one off the top of the dome there, Chris? Me, oh, I would say the movie I find the most horrifying is Candyman. Fuck yes. I'm not even Love sure me some Candyman. Love me some oh, Candyman. Shit. That that's that shit will keep you up. Candyman. Yeah. Now yeah, now, uh, Jack, bearing in mind this is recorded, so I'm well aware that you do not have to go to the grave, but do you sure. have at least something at, that's at the top of mind of like your favorite horror film? Yeah, I mean you're, you're asking me an impossible question. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know um, exactly. <laughs> it, I mean it varies, but like there's so many good ones. I mean like you said, The Exorcist is an amazing movie. Halloween is an amazing movie. Evil Dead is an amazing movie. Possession is an amazing movie. Like, there's just, there's too many. Um, it, yeah. I, I can make you a list. I mean, uh, yep. Evil Dead. Oh, dude. Nice. That's I've never a good, seen that's Evil a good Dead. drop. Never seen Evil Dead? Oh, man. Yeah, I've never seen it. And that's to say nothing of like the horror elements in movies like 2001, you know? So horrifying. Sure. Like particularly in the last 30 Alien's minutes. Alien's really good, too. Yeah. It's just a tough question to answer. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And everything you said was, I think the sure. latest one you talked about was 84. <laughs> so, like, yeah. these are classic films that have clearly stood the test of time for so long. Yeah, they're great for a reason. 
Cool. All right. So good. Now we got future future topics. So and now, now I've got things to add to my list of things to watch for this month. Shit, Thanks yeah. a lot, everyone. Good. Didn't have enough of those yet. Horror season. Oh, Possession right. is so good. Possession's great. That's like a good drop, Jack. That's like one of those that's kind of it's great if you know about it. Sometimes it doesn't it doesn't make the con yeah it doesn't make the conversation very much. So now, of course, the movie of the hour. John Carpenter's The Thing. 1982 American science fiction horror film directed by Mr. Carpenter himself and written by Bill Lancaster. It is based on the 1938 novella by John Campbell, Who Goes There? And it tells a similar story, of course, of a group of American researchers in Antarctica who encounter this thing, which they consider a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilate and then imitates other organisms. And then, of course, what my favorite theme is as we go through it, the group is overcome by paranoia, which I love the most as far as the filmmaking. And of course, they're going to bump heads throughout the rest of the film to essentially what is one of the most argued and debated endings in film history, let alone horror film history. First impressions of the film. So what I want to start with is I know when I had reached out to Jack, he and I, I think, have had a conversation about this movie even in passing. Now, it's my understanding that the other two Ooh. members on this show have good. not seen this film before, or at least have a good memory of seeing this film. Was it overhyped in any way prior to watching this outside of me trying to undersell it that it was on Kojima's list? <clears throat> Let me see. Um, I'll start off. I'll say it didn't really feel overhyped. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous in places. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, it was a very good movie. I was pleasantly surprised. I watched the trailer for the the remake, prequel, whatever. Oh, boy. Because when I was trying to find it on streaming, and that's the thing that popped up. Of course. Uh, Jack, and Jack's I was like, oh, is this, like, is this a remake? Because if it was a remake, I was thinking, oh, I'll just watch this instead of the thing. I would have been, been very upset with you. I would have been very upset with you, Chris, if you did. And then, like, ghosted in on the show as, like, a, a funny joke. But <laughs> I watched the trailer. Yeah, man. It's not. It's not. It doesn't merit a watch unless you it are hate really, watching I, I saw. I saw the trailer, and I saw the, it was like, okay, this is. The trailer told me the plot. It's bad. I don't need to see it. Beautiful. What about you, Tori? Was it overhyped at all? I tried to like keep it real low to the ground. No, I don't think it was overhyped. I, as I told you before our official recording, I recalled about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes in that I had, in fact, seen at least part of this movie before. And uh, yeah, it, it brought back some some memories that I'd, I thought were long gone. Uh, so I would say that in and of itself made it an effective movie for me that I could, <laughs> I don't know, that I could have seen it and forgotten until those memories were unearthed again by yeah. watching it again. <laughs> well, this, this movie has like 10 scenes that make the top 10, you know, classic horror, you know, like it just had every time they make a choice, it's going to be on the list, in my opinion. Uh, so what's funny is before we had really moved into the story, this movie was uh, not considered a success, nor was it even considered a critical success. It was, I guess, before its time or just sort of a beside itself. It, the expectations were put in the wrong place. I mean, it definitely it went up against E.T. in the same year. So it already was sort of set up for failure, you know, hindsight 2020. But uh, 
at the end of the day, this is like one of the top cult films. And most of those reviewers that sort of dropped a, a middling review or a, a, you know, mixed to negative review had sort of hopped back and understood that they were just, you know, not in the right headspace for the time or whatever it is, but understanding that going back, it, it, it certainly holds up. And we're almost at 40 years with this movie. And there are still some special effects, in my opinion, that are mm. as good as some of the shit people try to put in movies now. Maybe not all of them, but some of them some do of still hold up. Some of it's real bad. Yeah, of course. You gotta call that out. Yeah, oh yeah, I, and we'll get to there. We'll get to there because, I, like yeah. I said, I I got a real nice. Just it's more just to see how we feel about it. So, what I'd love about this movie, I always forget. Same with Predator, which was funny. We were just watching this the other night to for for prep, and I keep forgetting that they show the like a, a UFO flying into the atmosphere of Earth. It's always just dropped in the beginning, just like Predator. Nobody remembers that that happens. They just always remember, you know, mm-hmm. Arnold and, and Dylan, you know, all that shit. Um, so they drop it off. They go there and we start right. I mean, the movie is right off barely any dialogue for the first several minutes. And you have two Norwegian researchers flying a helicopter, shooting at like shooting a dog. And the dog is just sort of running through. And they're, tr- they're doing their best. They're dropping grenades. They make their way to our U.S. Outpost 31, where we are going to meet our cast of characters. And it turns into, what I do love is they're speaking in Norwegian, so we don't understand that they're basically saying, like, uh, the dog, get the dog, get the dog, something like that. And we have, like, basically, like, a little mini shootout, and one of the guys blows himself up, blows up the helicopter, and now they are welcoming the dog, which, for first-time viewers, you have no idea why the dog would be something anybody's shooting after, what is the deal there. Mm-hmm. And with moving forward, I think going back, like I do love like um, even on movie homework, Jack, sure. you guys did smoking aces for like the 2007 thing. I do love like a let's learn all the characters for the first act of this film. Right. I like that a lot. But this movie in a matter of, I don't know, four minutes, they you learn everything you need to know about all of the characters right away to the point where you don't really know who are the who's the main cast outside of Kurt Russell being just you know a, just a presence on his own with that hair and beard, um, but I love it. You meet you know you meet Windows, you meet Blair, you meet Bennings, you meet Clark. You know they're all in there, and then you just have like the the commander, you know Gary, and he's the one that shoots the guy in the head, so he's sort of established dominance. But you get to meet everybody. You got you have uh, Nalls. He's on his you know he's he's roller skating through, so he's talking about you know cooking for the night. And you get like a really solid camaraderie without having to do the whole like, hey, Nalls, you know, you're the cook, right? Like they don't have to do that. They just sort of have everything in front of you. It's a lot of show, don't tell. And it really makes me believe that these guys have been sitting and fucking waiting for a week to get any sort of contact with anyone. And they have no fucking clue what's going on. And there's been storms raging sort of affecting, you know, their their way to communicate or the way to get off of the post to you know, reach civilization or do whatever they have to do. And I, I love just that opening piece. Again, outside of there's really not as much dialogue as people remember in like that first 20 minutes. I mean, it's the first 10 minutes, I think, has like four lines across the whole thing. And I just love I can safely say and we can talk about this, but this is the best setting for a horror movie ever, in my opinion, an abandoned Antarctic outpost. There's no way in or out due to Mother Nature or one guy that can fly the plane, right? Well, I can certainly see why Kojima was so taken with it. I mean, you yeah. guys you guys saw the direct influence 
for Metal Gear oh, Solid yeah. One space. It's Shadow Moses. Right? It's just Shadow Moses. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I love it. And I as far as a setting, and I just again I think the cast of characters, you don't know. There's some big names in there, but for nineteen eighty two, maybe not. So um obviously I think the one that would stand out the most would be Wilfred Brimley. I think he's the one that would be like even Keith David was still, you know, barely Keith David as far as his premiere. As an actor. I recognize Wilford Brimley from those diabetes commercials. I know. And that's <laughs> the problem is a lot of people, a lot of people will watch this movie and just be like, oh, that's the diabetes guy. I'm like, fucking watch the movie, man. He's got some lines in here. Like he just is like acting without being an asshole. And he just fucking he brings up his own scenes by by doing things. And I, I oh, so good. I can't wait to get to him um, as we go. So we meet the crew. And obviously, Clark is the one that is the dog handler. So you have to have the guy that sort of handles that. So they talk to Clark. They set up, what are we going to do with the bodies? What are we going to do? Where were they from? They 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 have like a running joke that uh, Kurt Russell uh, fucking calls them Swedish, but they're Norwegian. And they keep sort of back and forthing with that. Our introduction to fucking Mac McCready is he's playing chess, you know, digital chess, which is so futuristic. And he takes the J&B and he just fucking pours it into the machine. Mm. And just is like, fuck you. <laughs> it's the most overreaction type reaction I've ever seen to anyone losing a, a chess match. And it's by like, the way, can we talk about how wasteful that is? Yeah. He just blew sure. up a computer. Oh, I was talking about yeah. the whiskey, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the too. whiskey's the more valuable part to Tori. <laughs> right. But he blew up a computer for because he lost to it or something. And this is like the most like 80s stereotype macho kind of film trope i can think of sure to be yeah. fair though he's Fuck not going to be computer. playing a lot of chess yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure it's a reference to the end of the movie though too i just can't remember exactly why yeah oh, there's boy. something oh. i don't have that too something about playing chess i think worst case yeah let me you want to do it yeah you want to do some research cuz i was going to say oh. leave it to the leave it to the discord and our listeners they will find it think it might be yeah yeah I, I feel like there's something else with the chess game though or like an error with the somebody playing ch- you know what mm, oh. yeah because he does he does claim that as he's pouring it in yeah, the computer like, doesn't it yeah, yeah. he calls it out but you know what i might be confusing two different movies now I, i'm yeah i'm pretty sure i am i'm pretty sure in 2000 <laughs> you want a space of course Odyssey. you are <laughs> They're playing yeah. chess, and there's like a there's like an illegal move that Hal makes, and he says checkmate, and the astronaut doesn't pick up on it, so it's it's like an allusion to the fact that the AI mm-hmm. is going rogue. I think this is just the stalemate that Chris mentioned, and probably a reference or, to 2001 as well. Exactly, could be. in exactly. itself, probably. I was going to say like this. That. There's uh, there's a lot of those now that I've seen the movie and like my early 20s, I'm catching more and more sure. references to it just sure. about everywhere. Oh sure, yeah. That's, I was that's some say, of the best parts. Good maybe idea. it's a reference to the to the shared whiskey between, uh, you know, human that's, and non-human yeah, at the end. That's yeah. definitely well, it. well, <laughs> we'll see. That okay, <laughs> beautiful. That's well actually there. You go yep. right in front of us. So, so the one thing I will throw in when we talk about McCready, and you're saying, you know, macho move, right, Chris? I, there's a couple of reads as we get through where obviously they're already like sort of shipwrecked. I mean, that's the best way to say it for seven days, right? But you even hear, you know, Max say like, I haven't fucking slept in two days, like with all this shit right. going on. So like he's already just fucking doing whatever he's got to do 
to either you know stay up or do it because now what they're deciding is well what the fuck happened here there's a, there must be another base so i love that they're they're smart people right so they're scientists they're biologists they're engineers right they're not just doing you know i'm gonna go you know check the noise out i'm gonna go up the stairs instead of out the front door they're, they're trying to do you know well what were they going after let's go check it out we can't send everybody but we'll send more than one person right to go check it out we got to review the find they go and find the norwegian base and they find a that big vat right that cut out of the ice which i think is a fucking awesome oh, yeah. prop like it just looks so fucking cool in that room them looking over it like what the hell happened here they sort of check maps right they find out that okay they must have been they they have video of oh they're they're doing a dig here or they're f trying to find something that's at this particular coordinate they go over and it's basically the fucking millennium falcon it's basically like this you know this giant spaceship sitting in the middle of an ice block and you can see that they cut out this block of ice and almost immediately mac is just like well i guess what it looks like to me is whatever was here you know collapsed froze over they dug it up and i don't know about you but maybe it, it's not dead right uh then they walk out and they see what i think is a fucking amazing creature design as far as just that that you know scorched body but they realize the whole base has been torched they're, they're barely finding anything to sort of give them an inkling of what the fuck happened here and they find this it basically looks like two people fused together at the face and then just sort of really extraterrestrial looking creature fucking shit. And they decide to take it back to their base to study it because this may be the biggest find ever. As far as a like, you know, act one, let's get shit going. I don't know about you, but I think that fucking fused creature look still holds up today, Agreed. in my opinion. Obviously, after it, it's supposed to be burnt, it's supposed to be this, but I think there is some shit in Chris, if you had watched 2011's The Thing, nothing in that movie holds up to just this first introduction of yeah. this fucking creature. And I can, that's just not even, I don't even have to take a stance. That's just understood. I like, like the pacing of it. Yes. It's really good and slow. Um, it kind of creeps on you. And I do like that. The, the face on this creature though, reminded me of like something from the wall. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. I could see what you mean by that. But I, I don't know, man, just the teeth, like the teeth are different sizes and the way they're like bent up. Like it just, it doesn't, it just looks like it wasn't turned into that. It was, you know, being created. It looks like it was mid whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I sort of, I really appreciated that as the first kind of glimpse into what kind of fuckery the thing is going to get into in this movie. And I liked, I liked, as you were saying, Warren, that it looks like it's mid transition there. So, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they found this um, corpse, I guess, in a burn pile, right? Yes. So, like, I'm just imagining then, based off of that, this is, you know, mid-turning into whatever it's going to turn into. And, and the fact that it stopped right there to show you two distinct faces, I just, I really thought that was pretty cool. That was a yeah, cool effect. Yeah, it, it really sets a bar of what, like, a, a true what the fuck is going to happen in the rest of this movie, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Especially a 12-year-old Warren was like, I, I've i never seen anything like this in my life. And that's, I think, still true to this day because anything that does this is referencing the thing or using that as their influence to create their creature or right. whatever. Mm -hmm. So now we bring them back. We are back at the base, our base, the U.S. base. 
and we now have everybody sort of sees what the hell's going on. Clark takes the dog back into the kennel. Uh, I love, again, smart people, right? Wilford Brimley is doing, I guess, like an autopsy, just trying to get an understanding. He's saying, like, we have intact organs in here. So something is going on. Like, th this is not, like, this should be ruined, in you know, from inside and out based on this, this trauma that this thing has gone through. So now they're starting to understand, like, what the fuck is happening here? And we get to one of the grossest scenes, especially what a great, like, fucking just body horror the dog, our baby boy, which I do love. Um, I saw your note. I love the idea of superstitious playing in the the hallways. And I love just like those those long takes of the hallway. You know, how many mm -hmm. doors are in the room, the outside. You just see some of the wind flags going and you see, okay, I got two shacks to the right, a shack to the left. There's a, the helicopter's covered in the middle. Like just really good establishing shots of just understanding this is it. Like, yeah. we're not going to be running from town and calling the police. Like, we're going to be in that bunker or in this building or flying the helicopter. That's it. Right. That's what we're going to do if we're doing anything else in the rest of this movie. And I will and of say course, that yeah, go ahead. I noted I noted that song playing, not because I thought it was particularly effective. I, it's a little bit on the nose, but yeah. I think that's what added to the charm of this to me. Like, we, I think if you were paying attention, you know at this point that the dog is suspicious. And yeah. It's, there's going to be some trouble afoot simply because there was a Norwegian. I'm sorry, a Swede. <laughs> My bad. No, uh, Norwegian. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just fucking around. You're um, Mackin. Namely because... <laughs> Mackin, is that what you said? Oh, yeah, you're Mackin. <laughs> uh, namely because, you know, we have a Norwegian uh, ready to kill this dog for seemingly no reason. So if you, you know, if you're any kind of horror movie watcher, you know that there's something up with the dog, right? Right. And so I don't think that that the song Superstitious was needed. I think it was a little handholdy, but it did make me chuckle a little bit. Agreed. It is timely, and I do love, they do treat it as a moment of, it's like another way, like Fuchs comes in, is like, can you turn that racket down? And all just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, and just fucking ignores <laughs> him and goes right back to what he's doing. <laughs> like, it's just I'd... super non-moments that they turn into moments for some of these people of like, sure. all right, I'm on Nalls' side. Fuck the scientist, right? I this guy just wants to get Nals, his work done. Though. Yeah, <sighs> Nalls is great. So, so yeah, so now we get to the kennel and I do love the dog walks in talk, talk. So I had made a joke when we were watching it recently, but I was like some of the fucking best dog acting ever, right? <laughs> like the other, the other like six or eight dogs are in there. They're already uneasy as the dog's walking in. Like, and sometimes it's like, oh, it's new blood, right? Like, okay, maybe they're just trying to tough love him because he's going to be a part of the pack. And, you know, he just whimpers a couple times and then they fucking they go to town on this dog and the visual effects, like I said, we can make fun of it if we want to, because you can sort of see some of the stuff, but I don't know, man, ripping the, you know, doing a, a semi pseudo predator look where it just rips open like a fucking Lotus and it just starts squirting shit on things and fucking just the stop motion of fucking tentacles and just Twizzlers are flying out of it. And just the grossest fucking Twizzlers. it's the tastiest it's, Twizzlers. Yeah. It's just, it's so fucking gross. And you just know that whole kennel is fucked. Like there's no way any dog is getting out of there. Right. And the one dog is like <laughs> clawing, clawing at the fence and you can see him like slowly ripping apart. Like it's just great tension for non-human characters which is sort of matters. like a forgotten yeah it's kind of like a forgotten <laughs> art though where like you know the conjuring everybody fucking loves that the dog dies in the first day that they're there right they just sort of like they got to get rid of sadie or whatever you know just who cares it's 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 the 70s so they don't pets are you know fucking goldfish 
But in this, like they are how they travel. Like that's a giant problem for them. So we're already there. And they call in, they get everybody and they sound the alarm, right? And they're like, get the fucking flamethrower. They don't know what to do. Like, how do you defend against whatever the fuck this thing is? And Clark is the first one to fire. see it. Kill it with fire. Exactly. There you go. The fury coming at you. And uh, the fury. So when we're we're going through, and I love that Blair has a moment with with Clark, right? So the paranoia is setting in right away. Now that they've actually seen something happen, Blair just sort of like looks at what the fuck's going on and is like, Clark, how how long were you with this dog? That you, you know, and he's like, I don't know, an hour, two, maybe, nine, you know. And he's like, okay, well, you didn't notice anything suspicious about this, like, and it's just a fucking seeping pile of crazy shit. Um, and and Clark's like, no, I didn't, I didn't notice anything. And you can see, like, again, Wilford Brimley, fucking, you know, I don't want to say masterclass, but he fucking knows exactly what to do with so few of just an eye, an eye twitch, or like you can see, like he's thinking about what the fuck is going on because he's you know, one of the scientists. That's like his whole job, right? Mm -hmm. And I love his just like, okay, like you're just trying to process it, but you already know that Blair is going to be fucking figuring something out, right? So yeah. so that that's a big one for me. And that's where that theme that I do think tends to get forgotten is how well I think personally this movie does sort of the paranoia theming as well as as we start to talk about some of these other kills, every time they show a group shot, and get like a wide of everybody in it there's always someone missing from the group every time mm -hmm. and it's always someone different sometimes it's palmer sometimes it's fuchs sometimes it's you know sometimes it's Nalls. and i was watching it with a friend of mine who had not seen it before but he remembered enough of it and he would sit there and he's like all right i, I, I know the ending of this movie so like walk me through this like what makes this interesting for you and they show a scene and i'm like where's fuchs and he's like fuck i didn't even realize fuchs isn't there i'm like yeah exactly and he's like but is he dead i'm like i don't fucking know do you know He's like, oh, I like this movie a lot. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that's great about this is how the movie is all about, like, uh, mistrust, you know? It's like a base-level fear that people have and that paranoia you're talking about. Um, it's part of what makes the movie last as long as it has, I think. Uh, gives us some staying power. Gives you more mm -hmm. to think about, you know? Because all the best horror movies are always, like, base-level fears. You know, Frankenstein's fear of the other. Dracula was fear of, like, yeah. an STD. Zombies are fear of people, um, you know, and that really elevates this movie and makes it, I think, a lot more special than, uh, mm -hmm. you know, some other movies in the genre. Um, like I said, it gives us some staying power, some lasting power, and uh, keeps it interesting over the years. How you doing, old boy? I don't know who to trust. I know what you mean, Blair. Trust's a tough thing to come by these days. Tell you what, why don't you just trust in the Lord? Definitely. And they even do something along the lines of where we see the dog walk into the room and there's just a silhouette of someone in the room. You have an idea because he's got curly hair, but you don't actually know mm. who sort of messed with that dog. And they eventually establish that if he's if that thing is in a room alone with someone for an undisclosed, undisclosed amount of time, you're like, they're they're replicated. They're done. Doesn't matter. Um, so so yeah. So now now we can just sort of start just barreling through because now we've set the stage. We know everything we have. So now Blair does another another follow up on like just what the fuck happened with this creature, and he's now saying like he can so quickly. Which again I trust him because it's fucking Wilford Brimley killing it in this movie of just like 
it appears to be imitating, you know, and you can see the other dog inside this creature. I, I fully like you see the fur. You don't see it ripped apart. Like he was like he was imitating these creatures. You know, he was going to create himself to basically assimilate in and you know take us all over. Like that's he just believes it. And they show that dope ass 1982 uh, cellular. You know, uh, it's going to slowly assimilate, and it's just, like, generic text, you know? <laughs> like, I, I love I love <laughs> 80s. Like, 80s tech is way better than, like, l- er, like early 2010s tech, in my opinion. Like, what they want to show is, like, fancy looks so dumb now versus back then, because it's just still... It's, it's it's just the information you need. It's not all a bunch of bells and whistles. Oh, yeah, everything's holograms now. Exactly, right. yeah. Smart tables. So... All right, so now we can start getting wild because now it's theory time. Whenever we Woo! want, we can always see how we feel about. Uh, so, like, first off, we don't have to go into it, but the first thing they do, again, setting it up. So, Wolfer Brimley is now he's going fucking batshit crazy, right? So, they know that f- burning it seems to work because they established that they burnt the whole place down. So, that should help as far as what's going on. Wolfer Brimley loses his shit, is you know takes the gun he's like banging up all the communications he's just like he is basically uh, establishing like they they can't get out so we can't get out that's it like stop trying to reach people with there's no fucking way this it'll be world annihilation and i think it was like 2600 days the whole world dead if this thing exists and some people chalk it up to he's already a thing some people chalk it up to he is you know, doing the logical thing. Like, a robot would just do, like, if you had to do the same simulation 9,999 times, you would fucking just kill everybody at the camp. Like, that's just what you do. Um, So, again, we don't have to decide on what we think. It's just that is sort of a concept. Personally, I just think he's going batshit crazy. I don't think he's taken over at that point. I think it is just him just being over overwhelmed with something he can't understand because he's the guy that fucking understands everything. At least is is in my he's seen something he's never understood before, and he doesn't know what to do except take the information in, which is mm. pretty fucking dope. So then they figure the fuck out. They lock them away, right? So now they're like, "Who's in charge? How do we make these calls?" And of course, the fucking the dopest guy in the room, the helicopter pilot. Everybody should be friends with the helicopter pilot because how the fuck are you going to get off this place if you don't <laughs> know if you if you kill the guy that flies the plane? So they lock Wilford Brimley away, and they come back. And now they're starting to understand, again, this is where they set up. We already know someone's been taken because we saw the dog go into a room. We don't know who that person is. We, we never really actually know the way the movie's shot. You can make your own opinions. And this is where they start to slowly set up. So they're, they're fighting back. They've, you know, they, the corpse isn't dead. So they have Bennings, who's one of, the, one of the, the scientists, one of the doctors. And you have windows. They're sort of like moving everything in. They, they want to keep it, but they got to lock it in storage. You notice that the creature sort of has like a tentacle coming out. It's starting to bleed. So obviously it's not completely dead. And Windows walks away for two or three seconds. And I love this little moment in the helicopter where Fuchs sort of pulls in, uh, pulls in Mac to say like, you know, uh, I kind of trust what Blair's saying. We might need to fucking do something about this. Windows runs out, comes back in, and Bennings is already getting assimilated. Like he's, he's got tentacles all over him. He's covered in red and he's getting pulled in, right? Windows Thank God, because fuck Bennings, guys. Really? Fuck Why guy. fuck yeah, Bennings? Fuck, Please, I want to see this. He's Why, such a though? fucking asshole. <laughs> well, okay, he's such so, a grumpy little dick. So here, put so, so here's your soapbox. I'm gonna I'm I'm hammering the final nail in your little soapbox. Have it out, Tori. Now Why, listen. So outside I know of all him, stuck together in fucking Antarctica. Antarctica, excuse me. Sorry. 
and I know he just recently got shot at the beginning of the movie, but he's such a dick, especially to Clark, who is the softest boy who just wants to have him some dog time, you know, and he's got to be such an asshole about the goddamn. Oh, listen, I was not sad when Bennings was the first. Was he the first to be assimilated technically that we see on screen that we see on screen? Yes. Okay. Was not sad to see Bennings go first. That's all I'll say. Even though I've just spoken for a whole minute on why I fucking hate Bennings. <laughs> but I love, okay, so then right after this scene, though, they come back, he's gone, right? They see the broken window, and this is where, like, now it, now we understand it's out, right? So they find Bennings sort of, like, stumbling out in the middle of the base, and they find him, and he's got, like, these crazy gangling hands, so it hasn't completed its assimilation, but we see how quick it really takes. I mean, they set the time. It's, what, what five minutes, maybe eight minutes to get him? And he just does that fucking crazy scream. Oh, it's amazing. I and I, I was worried. I was like, is he fucking getting more of these? Like, is that what that's doing? Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know, like at the time. Um, but I love they just like fucking torch it. We like we don't even look at it. He just knocks the fucking barrel over and just lights that motherfucker on fire. And they, Bye, have some, uh, they have some amazing fire stunts in this shit too. I love a fucking fire stunt. And they got like two or three that are like top ten as far as like if I had to make a list. So so yeah, so now we're starting to like, okay, now it could be anybody, right? And I and I love the watch Clark, watch him close. Like they go to Wilford because they're trying to figure out, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're, we got to start figuring out what the fuck's going on here. Like Blair had a, had a point, but like we got to do something. And I just, the fucking delivery of that is, you know, Jack, you had sort of made a joke about it when we were recording. It was just like, I'm fine mm-hmm. now. I'd like That's to right. get back inside, you know? And he, <laughs> I'm all oh, better he's, now. He's so good. And I just love when he look when he just does the walk out and he just goes, you know, watch Clark. Watch him close. And I was like, ah, oh, I believe him. Like I think he is like I think he's a human at this point. I'm like, fuck he, he's you know, maybe he's he noticed something. Ah, uh, yes, but and that I, is what an assimilated being would say. Exactly. To and, that, and we're learning this mm. this thing is, you know, very clever as we as move forward. So yeah, go ahead. Is it confirmed that anybody who is assimilated he that they actually speak at any point no confirmed no the only thing i would say is by the time we get to like the legendary blood scene it has to be palmer or uh the guy that has the heart attack i feel bad that his name is um norris i think his name is it has to be palmer or norris that are assimilated and they have full conversations and they like palmer constantly goes like i'm not going out there or, you know, I'm not doing this or like I'm going with Childs. Like, why can't you know, like they have like a lot of a lot of discussion, not a ton, but enough to just you don't know who it is. The only reason why I, I, I personally think it's Palmer as far as theory of who the dog got. But they do sort of show that Norris does not talk much at all. Now, let's not forget the conversation that the dog had in the kennel with the other dogs. I don't think but that Blair- should be discounted. Yeah. Oh, you're right. There is definitely some sort of. Uh, no, I'm just sticking uh, around. Don't I take know. that seriously, Warren. But Come I, on. Oh man, when I, when fucking Blair puts that axe, when you see the axe in the dogs, oh man, fucking brutal. 
Um, so yeah, so but I, I think you're right, Jack. If it is, I think that's the predom- like predominant reason why people think it's it's Norris because he doesn't really say anything. A lot of times he's just standing there. A lot of times he is he maybe gestures. I don't think he actually says anything. So if I were to like make a push for it, is I think that it's I think it's him. It's just the only thing that makes it odd is his death is a heart attack. So and we don't know if it's because maybe he already had a faulty heart. So a thing can assimilate a faulty heart and eventually the stress would have just won anyway. So I guess that's up in the air. So as we're starting to fight back again. So now uh, Norris has a heart attack and they want they bring him out. They want to take care of him. Right. So uh, the, the doctor's trying to, you know, get the, the George Clooney heart paddles. He's trying to do the right thing, try to take care of him. And this is where, like, I didn't like I just thought, like, OK, now we're getting fucking in it. Right. But they fucking triple down. He fucking goes to defibrillate him. His fucking chest opens up, bites his fucking arms off like and he so his head starts to they start to burn him. But his head is detaching from his body. Green tendrils and like gack Nickelodeon gack is sort of coming out there <laughs> and it's fucking crawl like falling down his like. Body, the body of the, the doctor that was taking care of him jumps up. He's fucking got like this big spinal cord with spider legs screaming at him and they fucking torch. It's, it's amazing. No, no, nothing, no one's ever done anything like this. And it correct never Correct me still. if I'm wrong, Chris, but this is maybe the part where you were saying, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is like where I think the blood scene, I was like, okay, you jumped the shark. Oh, no, not the blood scene. You think the blood scene, like where they're testing? Yeah. Oh, no, we're not. We're almost there. That's where you, that's your moment? You think that? Oh, man. Chris, we're going to, we're going to have to talk on this pod. Just like the effects were like, (laughs) I don't know. All right, we'll just, we'll just cut this part. Sorry I asked. No, I'm not cutting. (laughs) Chris is, we're going to, we're going to dwell on this and I want the listeners to dwell on this with him. (laughs) Yeah. So, so now, now it's just to the point where, you know, half the team is fucking dead or assimilated or both at this point. So we get to the point where, again, I'm about, I'm ready to move into this, this scene because in my opinion, the first, the score is incredible. They're starting to, you know, nightfall starting to drop. They have that amazing score, Even the combo. It's winter in the Antarctic region, is that a thing? I guess, but they don't necessarily say it's winter per se. They just say that storms are rolling in. He does at the very oh, beginning first of week the of winter. Movie. First McCready. week of winter. You're right. That's true. But they do mention like, hey, it's negative forty standard. Drops to negative a hundred if we don't have generators. And shit's happening. And the line of there's a few few good lines as we get there, but we are. So now it's to the point where McCready is just like, we have to just go full utilitarianism, right? Like we just have yeah. to go like, I'm making the calls. I'm, you, know, you two are going here. You two are going here. We fucking have to. And they're outside after they torch everything that just happened, what we just talked about. And I love the fucking line of, all right, I know I'm human, right? And I know that if all of you were things, you would just kill me. So some of you are human too. So... Let's fucking figure this out, right? The one doctor has an idea for a blood test. They check. The blood bags are, are fucking sabotage. Only two people really have access to that. So it has to be one of those two, right? We have no fucking idea. Um, they do all of that. They set it up. Now they're trying to figure out how can we resolve 
this without the smartest person in the room as far as coming up with the test. So Fuchs is the one that is, you know, he's saying, well, maybe we should eat from cans. We have to do something. You know, we have to be smart about this. We, if we're going to stay out the night or the week or whatever it is. And they come up with the test. And I, I got to say, Chris, I, this might be like an all-timer scene of just the tension of they're cutting everybody. Of course, Windows does a terrible job of cutting like how cuts their thumbs. You know, it's a little silly, but they make all yeah. the stuff. And he he basically says, like, it should react like it, it, it always defends itself. Whereas blood is, you know, blood is blood. It's not an organism moving like once it's out of our body, whereas when it's from a thing or whatever this is, it does still at a cellular level react and fight back. So he, you know, fires up a, a copper wire, heats it up and just tries to attack the blood of each person's sample. And I love in the room that they're doing this. They're, they're you know, they show it. They look at the person. It is a little silly that they kind of like like Childs is like, oh. and we're like, yeah, Childs, we, you know, you're not a thing. You don't have to exhale for us like we know that. But catch me up here. Why is this not like this is like amazing tension in my eyes, Chris. I love every fucking second of this. And well, the acting okay. is pretty good. So catch me up. So I love this. The the buildup of the scene I really like because it reminds me of uh, like Poirot, you know, like everybody get in the room and I will solve the mystery. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's like their intent here. But what I where it jumps the shark for me is the effects like <laughs> dude it's 1982 dude what if, so what about the effects so out of the little petri dish and just like it kind of like screams yeah you know like a head crab or something yeah, exactly like a head crab exactly <laughs> yeah that's that shit was hilarious okay did it, it took you out of the scene though or just like yeah, all right it it's totally, 82 I was like, okay, this isn't like serious, but like the tension was really, I think the tension was really good up to that point. And then the effects was just like, oh, oh man, that's weird. I don't, I don't even notice that I get, I, I'm so engaged. I'm so enthralled with what's happening. And yeah. then you fucking find out it's Palmer and Palmer has been around. Palmer's never been by himself ever. So he's been potentially since the beginning, which a lot of people theorize that Palmer was the one in the room and he's been the one fucking you know, sneaking off and taking care of people, which is how Blair would have gotten uh, tackled at that point. So now he's got some dope ass fucking uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark shit going on where he's a fucking wax candle practically and just fucking melting in the blood. He's just oh, yeah. trying to rip out of him. He fucking opens up and just fucking two, two like big giant jaws go over windows and just, yeah. oh man, he's lifting him up in the background, smacking the ceiling and there's the other men are tied to a couch. Like they can't even move because they're supposed to be getting tested. It's so good. You can, like at least you show that Kurt Russell. It's not like he the shotguns out of bullets or some bullshit. Like he's trying to figure out. Like Windows isn't the guy that should be holding a holding a flamethrower. Like Windows is the fucking comms guy. He's the guy in the chair. He's not the guy that should be the action hero. So when you see that he isn't using his equipment, Kurt Russell uses. He's trying to shake it up. He, you know, it's just not burning like it should. He kills. He kills it. They move forward. They continue the scene where they check Childs, they check Nalls, and they check Gary. And Gary's fucking delivery of that line where he's the last <laughs> one checked, and he's like, you know, I I'd, I think we've gone through enough, and I'd really like to stop being tied to this fucking cow. It's so good. It's <laughs> I, it's great. so it's yeah. so believable. I love, though. I love it. It's just it's so well made. 
And like I said, as far as tension... We gotta, sorry, Warren, we gotta cue that here. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get that in. I love that line. Oh, it's so good. Um, so, yeah. So, now we're getting to the point where they go to test Blair. Blair's gone. Blair dug underground and has been building a fucking ship to get off this rock, basically. So, they make the intent. They're going to burn everything down. That You know, we got to get rid of it. Uh, Blair's down there. And I love the line of, all right, we got to find the generator. We got to find the generator. Let's get it. Let's get it going. And I believe it's Gary. And Gary's like, the generator's gone. And he's like, all right, we'll power it back up. He's like, no, the generator's gone. Like, I'm assuming he put the generator in the ship that he was going to fly or whatever it was. But uh, we're underneath, right? We're underneath everything. And again, I love just like the random, the lights go out. There's just the boom, boom. You know, just a real subtle score. You hear the, you hear the wind. They show how little you can see. They have flares that they're using to maybe do it. They do say that uh, uh, when Fuchs gets taken over, they they don't realize he ran out. But they, was he chasing something? So they see they they're hoping that he lit himself on fire to stop him from fully assimilating, which is you know pretty heroic. You get down to the last few guys. We have some some pretty dope action stuff i do love like wilford brimley stabbing people's pretty fucking cool i never thought i would see that in a movie and uh i love a lot of that stuff long story short we break it down right we are getting through some of these final set pieces and childs has been gone for 10 15 minutes of the movie they see him run off and someone's like i think i saw childs he's saying he went off because he thought he saw blair that happens so many times in the movie where people are supposed to be manning their post and they're trying to do something but again it's not because they're dumb it's because they're trying to do the right thing because his intent was to stay at the door like i remember my buddy was like so where's childs where's childs and i'm like no childs is staying because what max said was if anybody comes back if it's blair without us kill him so he's waiting at the door so if he sees blair running that's technically his assignment is go fuck up blair because he's not with us right so he's just doing what he's told essentially and we get down towards the end of the movie, they've torched everything. That's They basically just did exactly what the Norwegians did. They burned the entire camp. Mac just accepts his fate. Uh, again, I, we, again, we're skipping a little bit here, but Blair wrecked the, the tractor. He wrecked the, the, the vehicles, the helicopter. He killed the dogs. He smashed He ruined everything. There's no way off this rock, which was his goal in, in, initially anyway. And Warren, why was he damaging... The helicopter, the comms. My personal opinion is because well, he... they showed us, right? Well, that's the thing is, I don't know if he was a thing at that point. I mm, think okay. that he was... I think his brain was, we have to fucking... We, like, we're not... If we get out of this, the thing's going to get out, too. So okay. we're not leaving this rock. Nobody should find this place. We have no comms. I want it to just rot and die here, um, in my opinion, because that's what they show. He writes it in the book. Right. He's doing a lot of research. He's got like pages already in his little little journal about everything. So I think that personally. But yeah, him becoming a thing is not surprising because he obviously broke out. Um, and that's the thing, though. Right. So he would have been a thing when he said, you know, I'm I'm fine now. I'm better. I want to get back or, you know, watch Clark. like He's already trying to set up all this crazy shit. Right. Oh, right. Clark. Poor Clark. Clark gets shot in the head because he tries to defend himself, right? And Ugh, it's a pretty good moment. Pretty Sweet good moment boy, when Clark. they they show that the blood wasn't infected per se, 
And basically, they're like, you're a murderer now. And Kurt Russell already knew they're not getting out, so he doesn't fucking give it. He just, he knew he was defending himself. And honestly, I do side with Mac. You shouldn't fucking kill Mac in that in that situation. Clark, I think you're a little a little distracted, my dude. Um, Everybody's a little get, distracted, Warren. Yeah. <laughs> so everything is fucked. Everything's burning to the ground. They're, <laughs> and you know, show. Mac, everything Mac is, is fucked. Absolutely, exactly. He's absolutely, they have... Mac sitting, you know, he's just sort of resting by, you know, a section that they, they burned off, but it's just, you know, able to, to stay warm a little bit because they lit the fires and Childs comes back out of nowhere. And, you know, I love the moment of just where were you, Childs? I, uh, you know, I went off to get Blair. I, I thought I saw him run off. You know, what, what happened here? Like just trying to catch up. And they basically have a moment of like, hey, you know, maybe you're a thing. Maybe I'm a thing. Who knows? Like they're both just accepting their fate, right? And they just sort of laugh it off. Max got the bottle of J and B, passes it over to Childs. Childs has a sip, uh, puts it down. Mac has like this sort of asserting grin where he's just sort of like making a little little, <laughs> you know, guy got you kind of a thing, maybe. And mm. the film ends on sure. the two gentlemen basically waiting for death in the cold. And one of the most ambiguous endings that actually requires my attention. So uh, as far as binge is concerned, Jack, we have a, there's a member on binge, Pete. Pete is a guy that is like, just tell me the fucking movie. Tell me the story you want me to tell. Don't leave it to my interpretation. I don't give a shit. Like I'm paying to see your movie. Tell me the fucking story. This is one of the best circumstances in my opinion of what the fuck happened. It's the whole movie sets it up properly and it ends on who do you think, right? Who, who was the thing? Do you side with Mac? Do you think it was neither of them? Do you think it was Childs, right? Um, how do we feel about the nice. ending? Who, Tori, who do you think was either one of them the thing? Was, you know, state uh, your case. I, I'll just, I'll just say what I wrote down here. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care which, <laughs> which one of good. them it is. Uh, I, I kind of take... Um, non-thing Blair's stance and I, tr I tried to think if I was in that position yeah this is a shitty shitty situation but I think the best result is that nobody makes it out of here alive so um, to me at the end of the movie doesn't fucking matter all right I like that so I just yeah I just didn't I didn't venture any further than that maybe that's the simpleton uh, in me when watching that's movies, okay but trust me that's what a lot of people did in 1982 as well so you're you're not in the minority there chris <laughs> what about you man how, how did you feel about this ending how did you feel about how it was told and you know how you're sitting on it did it resonate with you well <clears throat> i mean yeah i liked the ending i thought uh you know it was it was a good mystery and part of what i thought made it a good movie is was so engaging uh you were participating in the mystery along the way and trying to figure it out in your head, like, well, who's been assimilated and so on. Um, but my money is, was on McCready. Okay. Assimilated at the end. State your case. <clears throat> well, you it don't makes need a the ton, most, but yeah, catch me makes, up. So it makes the most sense. Like he was the pilot, right? Okay. So you what think you he saying? was the thing or you think he was a human? Well, I, I think like 
He was assimilated okay. because the thing identified him as the pilot. Uh, as the, sure. su- the most successful okay. mm-hmm. way successful chance to get of out. getting out. Okay. He, but also, okay. like, if the pilot was assimilated, then no one else could get off, right? Sure. So yeah. it would increase his chances of survival. Some fifth dimension shit. Mm-hmm. Thinking Although, very chess of him. My post-movie theory discussion with my lady and I, we watched this together, and it was both of our first times watching it, was if the thing could just turn into anything, like a dog, for example, and do dog things, why wouldn't it just turn into a penguin or a fish and swim away and then rejoin some society somewhere and then like start assimilating somewhere off the coast of like Brazil, right? So my under Jack, I'm sure we're going to say the same thing. So here, feel free. Hop in. I think that, you know, this movie requires a lot of suspension of disbelief. Right. Um, And I think the thing can only imitate things that it Mm -hmm. comes across. So, you know, trace this out. Spaceship lands on Earth, um, lands into some ice. It looks like might have started assimilating with some of the people, the dog. But like maybe it didn't come across, say, a penguin or a polar bear or any of these things that you're you're describing. You know, might might be a way to explain that. Um, again, it requires some suspension of disbelief, but still. Uh, so it would need it. It's like a photocopier. Sure. Uh, yeah, but a made of yeah. flesh. Three D well, printer. No. We don't know what it's. We don't know it's actual. <laughs> we don't know it's like genetic makeup outside of it already trying to assimilate with humans. Right. We don't know that. Right. That's yeah. fair. So that that's what it sets up. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a way, like or in a way of uh, at the mountains of madness, Lovecraft. Sure, you know? sure. That's where I, I didn't know this was its own book. I thought that's where it was kind of pulling inspiration from. Yeah. I mean, Carpenter's definitely a Lovecraft guy. He makes a Lovecraft movie later on called uh, In the Mouth of Madness, you know, so it's definitely influenced by that. Carpenter's work is overall for sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, love that movie. So, Jack, as far as, uh, again, I know you're on recording, so you do not have, Jack is known for, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to put all the facts in front of you. Where do you sit? As far as how do you think the ending was meant to be taken? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i definitely with Tori on this. I think that when you break it down, it's kind of irrelevant who the thing is at the end. Um, movie's all about these characters dealing with that sort of level of trust and f- trying to figure out what's going on. So, um, you know, sure. I, I kind of fall on that side of the fence where I, I don't even really think about it very often. Having said that, if you look at this movie, to sure. me, I think that there might not actually be any evidence for either one of them being the thing, <laughs> um, which, sure, like, because I don't think that if one of them's the thing, then this situation occurs at the end where the two of them just meet up and wait to die. I mean, if it's only down to the two of them, why would either one wait, you know? Just like assimilate and be done with it. I, I don't get it. That's the that's my biggest piece of like outside of the who cares is like, yeah, the uh, the one who is the thing would just start assimilating the other person who isn't the thing. Right. However, I did put some theories. I did put some theories in the notes. And the only reason why I say that is because what I loved about the movie is even your Fairweather fans or even people that just really like to dig in on every fucking frame. Right. 
they still because I honestly I side with the 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 two of you as far as yeah it doesn't make the rules have been applied that if you're next to a thing you're just going to get assimilated there's nobody else it's well aware that it's just the two of them it would just start assimilating there's no dialogue between them if it was the thing that so that's my biggest push of like no they're just going to fucking die together um but obviously uh, since it was done so well, it poses people to, you know, have some theories and put it into it, which, in my opinion, just gives it merit that it was done so well. If people want to extrapolate it, it doesn't matter, right? That just means it was so convincing or so, uh, uh, like, appealing that people just want to know more about such a, a minute detail of a, of a movie. Um, so Carpenter, obviously, famously, has never said he knows the answer, but he has never you know, gone on record to confirm it or do anything of the sort. John Carpenter himself has not done it. There are a few theories around everything. So we can pose these out. We'll talk them out real quick. We don't have to go too long into them. Um, obviously, the most famous one is Child's Breath and the Whiskey Bottle theories. So people think that Child's is the thing because uh, we're led to believe that all of the whiskey bottles were full of alcohol or at least full of kerosene to use as Molotov cocktails that they started using at the end of the movie. Meaning the JMB was not whiskey, it was kerosene. Kurt Russell hands the hands the bottle to Childs, he drinks it and has no reaction that it's kerosene because the thing wouldn't know what JMB tastes like. That's why he makes the smirk. So he fucking knows it's the thing, but he knows he's just gonna die anyway, so who cares? Um, as well as if you also notice because um, we can't, we don't know the rules of a thing as far as when it breathes, is there a breath, you know, literal carbon dioxide leaving your body and having a smoke cloud. If you look at McCready, he is a, you know, a puff of smoke every time he does anything. Childs barely has, you know, a puff of smoke coming out of his mouth. So it leads, another, again, it leads to believe that Childs is the thing. And that's why, again, Mac makes the little, you know, smirk. Um, now, the famous one now that I think only came out a couple of years ago, Dean Cundy, who fucking shot the shit out of this movie, the director of, of cinematography, who did um, he did Jurassic Park. He did like Apollo 13, Escape from New York. He's a famous and he, he's incredibly good at his job and deserves any bit of recognition he needs. He states that if you watch the movie, and I've definitely done it after hearing about this, um, they made it a point as far as a technique is there's always lights in the eyes of human beings just because of the way you light the scene and the way things are shot there has to be light there they made a specific choice that when a character was definitely defined to be a thing on screen there is no light in their eye um on purpose childs doesn't have a light in his eye at the end of the scene now john carpenter said that's movie making doesn't matter that's not why he's not a thing it's not defined so it doesn't matter but dean cundy combing on and saying that made people like fucking lose their shit like oh my god that's a fucking amazing like blink and you miss detail if you're not in the know right which is pretty fucking cool like i think that's you know pretty pretty impressive um but carpenter did say that someone of the two is a thing but he never said who but he did say what so, someone is the thing and that's the same thing in blade runner right Correct. Yep, exactly. And he, and he actually referenced the film saying like, oh, no, we're not the first one to we're not going to be the only one to do this technique. It's it's a great idea <laughs> and it should be done more often to draw attention to what you're trying to draw attention to um, in a film. So I don't have a ton more, but I did want to just make sure um, one question I like to ask when I talk movies, because um, I don't really get to talk movies too much with people is 
since we all at least overall like the film or in some cases love the film, who do you think like won the movie? What won you over in the movie? It doesn't have to be an actor. It doesn't have to be the, you know, it could be whatever you want. What was like that? Damn, if, if this was missing, maybe this would be, you know, an okay movie, not a great movie. Um, if it's okay, Chris, do you have something like that? I tried to have it in the notes to prepare you guys for me asking this question. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> what do you have? Like what won the movie for you? Yeah, I think what the movie does the best is pacing out of everything. And the tone of the movie as well, it reminded me of Alien, which is one of my favorite movies. And I feel like the pacing in that movie is done super well. Um, some of the effects were a little cheesy and did make me laugh almost like a, a trauma movie yeah, or something. Sure. But it's the eighties and this is a really good eighties mm, movie. Big time. So I would certainly come back to it. I think. Cool. So Jack, what about you? What, what yeah. won the movie for you? What's like the, the piece? Um, I mean, for me, it's just the direction. I think this is John Carpenter just at the height of his powers. Um, you know, he makes a lot of choices in this movie that, yeah. for me, they're, they're just <laughs> phenomenal. Um, yes. He's, you know, the restraint that he shows, the ability to not give out all the information all at once. Um, knowing the fine line, like you said earlier, between um, confusing the audience and just making them feel off put. Like you said, the wide shots with like a person missing or the different changes of clothing at times. Um, that's a really difficult thing to do. And a lesser director could get their audience confused and not on board with that sort of stuff. Um, but I think that this is, um, you know, and I, I absolutely love Halloween, take nothing away from it ever. But I do think that this is John Carpenter's best film. Um, it's just, he, he puts it all together in, in a way that's, you know, unique and really high quality. Um, can't really, can't really come up with an argument argument against it. You know, um, he makes the musical choices. He did the casting. Um, you know, just everything, everything here. He's 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 great. I think it's definitely John Carpenter and his touches all over this thing. So, Tori, what won the movie for you, or who? I won the movie. Yeah, I won because I watched it. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciated first and foremost the writing i thought the characters were believable i thought the way they were written and the way they were presented helped immerse me enough into this to the point that when shit starts going bad as jack was saying i'm reminded that this is this is more than just a story about some alien life form it's about these people who are on a mission and they have no choice but to trust each other. And when they no longer have that luxury, that's when things really start getting iffy. And that's why this will stand out for me. That's why I think I could come back to this because like Jack was saying, this is something that I, I would observe probably time and time again and notice new things about interactions between the characters now that I am aware of how it ends nice i like it yeah jack sort of stole my thunder but i i kind of saw that um i think i think the direction <laughs> yeah, sorry about that man it, no it's cool man I, like i i come from you know i have a lot of friends that i would say studied film i just watch movies so i don't consider myself in any way an educated uh critique on anything but 
I do know a good filmmaker when they're on their like A plus game. And I definitely believe and I, I do stand with you, Jack, on where Halloween is going to be in that echelon, right? If there's a Mount Rushmore of like fucking carved, scary fucking people in a horror thing, it's going to, you know, Michael Myers is fucking right there. The first Halloween is, is, is fantastic. But I would say is if you're telling me that it, did someone improve on the craft they wanted to, to, to do four years later, you know, yes, they did. Like John Carpenter fucking uses every piece of his toolbox as best as he could. And again, going back once I grew up and I'm like, fuck, man, this is shot really well. Fuck, like this is just the score is so good. And again, the characters, I'm like, I just fucking remember him wearing similar uniforms or, you know, all that stuff. Like, you don't really pick up on that stuff until you're like trying to pay attention. And this is one of those movies that the more you dig in to like rip it apart, the movie kind of plays plays you and is like, no, 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 we knew you were going to do this eventually. Like, he, I just feel like he was ahead of his time of like this merits a rewatch and a, you know, what's going on, a whodunit sort of thing. Like, I like that aspect of it a ton. And Carpenter was, you know, like I said, it, it seems like it was ahead of its time because it wasn't really loved when it first came out. So um, one final thing before we start to wrap up. And again, nobody feels like they have to, but I want to ask this question. Uh, this is obviously a remake of The Thing from Another World. Um, which is how we adjacently got to this from Kojima's list. Is this the best remake of all time? Tori, what do you think? I um, I can't speak to that because I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, I'm not a fan of remakes. Uh, two, I haven't seen the original content or read the original content. I understand this is an adaptation from text too, so... Um, yeah, I don't. I can't give you a, a straight answer. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's totally fine. I just I want to get some some but you know try to get some stuff for the listeners to maybe send in. Chris, you think this is the best remake of all time? No, mm. <laughs> it's definitely not the best. Straight remake to of the all point. Time. So now, no, do you? No. It's, it's a really good <laughs> movie for sure, and um, you know, I would say it's probably one of my favorite horror movies. No, yeah, I really like it. Um. But it's certainly not the best remake, I don't think. Dare I ask you what you consider the best remake? Yes, actually, The Waltons. You, that's such, the that's TV such show. a Chris answer. <laughs> because I should have saw this Hear coming. me out on this. Okay. The Waltons is a TV show narrated by the guy who wrote the book that it's based off of. And the book is just an account of his life growing up. So he's narrating a TV show about his own life that's based off of a book that he wrote. That's a pretty logical answer. All right. And I it, see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, it's just like so just neatly wrapped up. I see what you did there. It's beautiful. As in proper Chris fashion, you logic to me to death. So I appreciate <laughs> also, that. <laughs> they talk about Roosevelt a lot. Oh, yeah. oh there, there it is. There the it is. Deal. Now we understand so. where Chris comes from here. <laughs> Jack, a hot take for you. Is this the best remake of all time? Uh, another tough question. I mean, there's so many good remakes. You know, immediately I think of uh, like The Departed, <laughs> 12 Monkeys. Um, man, it, it's it has to be in the conversation. Okay. I think it might be. I would say the same. Yeah. I think on like if you just gun to my head, asked me what was the best remake of all time, that would be my answer. I'd say the thing. Um, I don't know if I could back it up if I had to keep fighting for it, but I think it's a, it's like, yeah, no, I was going to say it's, it's just a perfect evolution of 
what they wanted to do from the original to take someone, you know, like what a, a top, like a, an echelon guy of Carpenter or Craven, you know, like these amazing guys and Carpenter being able to do it, make it the way he wanted to do it and be able to, to do that and give it not to pivot enough to be its, its own movie and its own theming because part of thing from another world isn't necessarily paranoia and trust. And there's a lot, it's more of a creature thing, right? It's more of a, it's more of a, a sci-fi piece more than a, a character study that also has crazy fucking sci-fi shit going on. And I think that's a proper evolution, whereas it's not a shot for shot. You know, it's not a, it's not a paying homage to the original so much that it's just fucking redoing the original, i.e. the remake of this movie, which is apparently a prequel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think it sits that I would probably, you know, nine times out of 10, I'd go, yeah, it's the best remake of all time. That's, yeah. that's my opinion on it. Yeah, that, that's the tough part because all the reasons that you just gave, I would actually put 12 Monkeys and The Departed in the same bucket. It, like they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's true though. Like they do the same things. Like they reinvent in the same ways. I mm. mean, 12 Monkeys is based off sure. of a silent French slideshow, you know, and that's yeah. that's taking that concept to the, to the nth degree. Um, to say nothing of the fact that The Departed is an American remake of a, I think, Korean movie. Um, setting that in Boston, right. you know, with, inspired by the Whitey Bulger scenario and, and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so I, yeah, it's it's absolutely on par with those for me, though. And, and there's probably a few I'm forgetting now as well. All right. Well, I enjoyed our little conversation, guys. That is going to wrap up our spooky mini season as far as the thing. Before we get going, though, Tori. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Young Neil everywhere, basically. Uh, you can also, for the next, uh, let's see here, 25 days at least, catch me watching The X-Files and other spooky stuff. I just want to throw out a quick reminder again. Uh, if you were into this movie, you should totally go check out that episode of The X-Files called Ice. Uh, it's a fun play on this movie without following it step by step would recommend nice chris where can they find you on the internet you can find me on amazon prime <laughs> watching the wall <laughs> but for real you can just find me in the discord sometimes or really you can find me at work yeah. i know i feel <laughs> i appreciate you i appreciate you carving time chris has had a very interesting last few weeks and uh the fact that we we do our best to schedule these so that we can make sure Chris gets a chance to at least do proper, you know, research and actually not make it feel like work to record with us. So we appreciate your time, my dude. Well, I love you guys. Aww. I'm here for you. I'll have a and yeah. crispy pop on you guys. Wow, that's pretty late in the game, Warren. You've been sitting well, on that. I had one on the left here too. <clears throat> oh, okay. So I've been sneaking one, Jack. Where can they find you on the internet? Um, best place to find me is just over on bingemedia.net. Um, you know, phone number there is 708-406-9546. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and Instagram at, uh, at Binge Media. Um, <laughs> yeah, leave us a voicemail at uh, 708-406-9546. And I uh, pretty much guarantee we will make fun of you. Yeah, I can come, well, I come from personal experience. Up. Yeah, uh, it's definitely fun to call in. And I will say just the banter you guys have and the 
you know, the, I guess the camaraderie, whatever you want to call it, where it's just like everybody busts each other's balls, but it's all in good fun and for content. And uh, I absolutely love what they do there. I am one of those guys that call in and get my chops busted often. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, you can find me at Warren Minix across the board. If you're looking for gamer tags, if that's your thing, I'm Untaggable Gamer. And my band, Spooky Forest, has an album out. You can check us out on Spotify, yada, 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 all the good stuff. Spooky Forest Band. Patreon. Now, we don't, we, I've been trying to be a little subtle with it, but I got to say, for just a buck a month, you could join our Patreon, which gets you into the Discord. If you want to do a little bit more than that, we give out our show notes. We do extra podcasts for patrons. We just we started doing live streams. We do a lot of content in there. We do a Game of the Month Club, which right now we're currently sitting on Oxenfree, which we did an episode for. And voted on by our patrons, we are now doing Bloodborne and having a shit ton of conversation about Bloodborne and the lore of Bloodborne. So a lot going on in the Discord. And again, if uh, I would recommend it's a great way to get in touch with us. Some of the patrons even vote on a topic for us to do for a podcast. We bring it to you. You could even get on the podcast, which we will be doing sometime in the near future based on a reward. So again, I appreciate that. It would be Patreon. We are Metal Gear Mondays. You can go to bit.ly slash MGM store, which I love because we have new artwork. Sean Wilkins is the fucking best. Um, I love the cuddly boys that we are that he drew for us. Uh, Jack, we'll, we'll shoot it in the, in the chat for you. Um, he drew us nice. as like a nice anime style, but we're like sort of like protecting and cuddling each other. And it's got like a Miami Vice sort of color coat as far as the backdrop. It's fucking dope. Sean, you're the man. Um, man, Jack. Jack, you'll get to see it if you hop on into the Discord, you guys. Oh, that's true. Uh, just to just to help peek behind the curtain. I hope you don't mind me calling you out on this, Jack. But while we were fucking <laughs> recording this, nice. got a little notification that we have a new uh, patron. So here's your <laughs> initial patron shout out, Jack. Thanks for that. Thanks, dude. Oh, dude, and uh, Nate is sure. in there too, man. We're trying to like, you know, try to build it. Like I, sometimes it's overwhelming because we have some we go on some real fucking tangents real quick. Um, but yeah, dude, it's a great time. Uh, feel free to hop in wherever you want. So thanks for the patrons, dude. You're the fucking best. Yeah, of course. No, I like to uh, support my friends. So. so with that said, everyone, this is the end of our The Thing episode. Trust no one. And <laughs> what I a think, cool energy to end this on. And I think right. it's time to let her rip, Jack. <laughs>